Thanks for tuning in to Adiscope, episode number 67, Growth Hacking for Digital Marketers. I spoke with marketing veterans behind the new book, The Growth Hacker's Guide to the Galaxy, Mark Hayes, CMO of Rocketship, Jeff Goldenberg, head of growth at Barwell, two awesome dudes, and we spoke about where the book originated from, where you can get it, and we talked about some specific growth hacks for marketers, the book has over 100 growth hacks uh, and also includes case studies for leading startups, including Bold Worldwide, which is definitely why you should go out and buy this book. Sports marketing expert, Brian Cristiano. Brian Cristiano. Brian Cristiano. Sports fans are arguably the most passionate people probably on the face of this planet. Marketers and advertisers and brands always have to keep in mind, you have to play to the state of your audience. If you're not passionate, do something else. Mark, Jeff, good to meet you guys. I really appreciate you coming on Out of Scope. Oh, well, thank hey. you for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mark, why don't I start with you? Um, this is a very interesting story. It's about growth hacking, um, but why don't you kind of give me just a little bit of insight into what you do and what spurred off this whole growth hacking book? Um, well, basically what happened is back in March of um, 2015, I started to get used to this concept of um, last year because obviously it's 2016 now. Um, I published a um, blog post called The Ultimate Growth Hacking Sourcebook. And this was based off things that I was noticing that you know, within the growth hacker community that there were all these great growth hacks that everyone was sort of mentioning and sharing, but no one had actually put, sort of put them into one compendium. No one had sort of written a post with, hey, here's everything, here are the best of the best that are sort of sitting out there at the moment that you can be using to help generate growth for your, for your business and for your startup. So we sat down and wrote a you know, 30,000 word blog post and published it. And then basically it went viral. It just went absolutely insane. And then at that time, um, Jeff obviously sort of sent me an email and said, hey, look, this is really, really awesome. I'd love to know, you know, was this sort of your take on a white paper? And look, I'm thinking about doing a book. And, you know, how would you consider coming on as a co-author? And Jeff, pick up the story from there. So you guys, uh, you read Mark's blog post, Growth Hacking blog post, and you felt that it was a, a, a potentially good idea for a book? Yeah, so um, for me, like, the content of the book's really important, but the way that it's laid out is sort of my mental model for understanding like what I'm going to get out of the book and how they're going to teach me. So I get really hung up on sort of the overview and I can't write until I have an overview and I sort of understand what I'm writing and how it fits into the overall picture. And the way that he laid it out was pretty much exactly how I was working on my overview, except he was targeting SaaS marketers, software as a service who have very specific, um, tools and tricks at their, at their disposal. And I was thinking of a more general um, audience being startup and digital marketers, whether they're you know, a startup or whether they're working at staples.com, like something that could be really valuable to them. So picking up from Mark's blog post, um, I had to take out the hacks that weren't applicable to um, non-SAS marketers. I needed to add a whole bunch in because we had the stupid idea to do 100. Which seemed, easy, <laughs> which seemed easy at the time, but was actually a lot of research and writing. Um, and, and, and then sort of organized it differently. So Marx was organized over the pirate metrics, AARRR model that um, SaaS marketers do. And I used a model that Sean Ellis, sort of the godfather of growth hacking came up with, which was three um, sections, uh, product market fit, 
where you find out if anyone other than your own mom wants the product you're building and then transitioning to growth where you try a million different things to find out what's going to work and then scaling or growth, which is basically you found something that worked and now how do you make it as big as possible? Right. So we, we organized the hundred growth hacks over those three um, ideas with a fourth bonus one of personal productivity hacks, like hacks to make your life easier. And um, yeah, in addition, we did um, nine case studies. So we interviewed um, nine founders, CMOs, CEOs of really high growth companies, yourself being one of them. Uh, Bold Worldwide is a case study in the book that we're really proud of. And, and I think that's gonna be one of the things that really differentiates our books from other ones is these stories, these in the trenches stories. You know, Matt, Matt Epstein from Zenefits talking about being the number two person at Zenefits and being you know, around the kitchen table with Parker when he was setting all these goals. And you know, Craig Miller, the, the CMO of Shopify, who helped grow them from 9,000 stores to wherever the heck they are now, somewhere you know, between 250 and 300,000 stores. So just like these amazing stories right from the trenches. What's the name of the book? I don't think we mentioned it yet, and I want people to know. And, 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 where, and when and where is this book going to come out? So the book is called The Growth Hacker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, which we love that title. Um, it's going to be out, knock on wood, by the end of January, so this month. And um, it's going to be available on Kindle. It's going to be available on the website as a PDF, which is growthhackerguide.com, and also through Amazon as a, as a trade paperback. So. Hopefully, um, by the time people hear this, uh, it'll be really close. Awesome. Mark, I want to take a quick step back. And, um, you know, since this originated as a, you know, 30,000 word blog post about growth hacking, where did that originate from? Where was A, the idea to write such a long blog post about growth hacking? And B, um, where did you get the initial growth hacking information from? Oh, geez, yeah. Um, so basically, I think it started actually around about four months before, back in 2014, uh, around about December. Before that, I'd actually written a, a couple of other long-form blog posts that had done very, very well. So I'd written a guide on content curation that had done particularly well. And it sort of got me on this thing of like, you know, epic content does really, really well. I think it's um, Backlinko and Brian Dean that talks about this, that if you want basically to create content that goes viral, you need to create epic level content. I think also um, Ramit Sethi has also mentioned this as well numerous times, as well as Neil Patel. So I was looking around for an idea, and obviously I was active in the growth hacking community at the time. Um, I, I had actually founded a previous company to the one that I actually have now, which was probably the second or third growth hacking agency globally. So I was looking for something where I could go, okay, what's, what's something I have knowledge of? What's something I can write on? And I started getting very specific of, right, well, what's the target market? Because like Jeff has said, you know, you've got obviously with the book, we're targeting non-technical marketers, but with my blog post, I was targeting the SaaS market. And again, you could probably write a blog post just targeting apps. Mm. Um, but I zeroed in on the SaaS market because I decided that that was the audience that I wanted to speak to. And so I started going through Evernote and, and all these sort of resources and started pulling out of the, out of the close to 300 that I had sitting there, what were the sort of the top 65 that I thought one fitted with the SaaS market and two were to me the most interesting or the ones that were going to get the people that um, the best results. Okay. So we're fast forwarding now and you guys have decided to turn this into a book. Um, a lot of great information. Obviously, um, Jeff, you've helped to curate and to write tons more information to turn this into a book. How much information that you guys learned along the way are you utilizing in growth hacking this book? <laughs> Every yeah, day. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, it's a really good question. Um, 
I guess a lot of the hacks that I came up with were stuff that I was doing on a day to day basis. Um, in fact, there, there was a point in the writing where I was like, should I be talking about all this stuff? Like I know my competitors and people are going to read it, but you know, we're not even published yet. And already, you know, there's some of the, the, the service providers and stuff have moved on and, and, and the hacks are, are so, um, they're so quick moving that I think by the time it gets out there, some of them are going to be table stakes and best practices and not hacks where you have this big competitive opportunity, competitive advantage. So I use a lot of them in my day to day and I sourced a lot of them from my day to day. A lot of it was like sort of my playbook and the tricks up my sleeve that I use every day to test and make my life easier and, and you know, work with a smaller budget than some of our competitors and, and, and really seek out that competitive advantage. So it really is like my playbook and, and six months from now, I assume we're going to have a new playbook and, and you know, the growth hackers guide to the galaxy volume two will, will be birthed out of all the new stuff we're doing. So, you know, one of the things I really liked about the format and working with Mark and, and the way we have it set up is that it really does have, have legs to be sort of this thing for the next few years, as long as we, you know, stay really good at keeping it updated and, and, and making sure it's sort of cutting edge. Tell me about, you guys had mentioned a little bit earlier about SlideShare. You guys were, what, the best of SlideShare 2015 or something like that? Tell me a little bit about that because I know a lot of people, especially in marketing, business world, they use SlideShare a lot or at least that they're checking out content there. Tell me about that and, and what and how did that happen? Yeah, so a couple of months after I published the blog post, I wanted to sort of continue the momentum. So I decided we were going to do a slide deck. Um, so we started taking out some of the other, um, some, well, some of the sort of like five to six hacks within the actual guide itself that I thought were particularly good. And we started actually um, designing it up as a proper slide deck. Um, so we uploaded it obviously to SlideShare. And over, over time, it, in the, basically since we published it last year, it had over 14,000 views. And then just prior to Christmas, it made the 2015 best of from SlideShare. So the guys at SlideShare said, wow, this is actually such an awesome deck. We're actually going to feature in our best off of 2015. At that point, it just went absolutely insane. We went from 14,000 views to 350,000 views. And I think the last time I checked, it was at 385,000 views. Wow. Um, and then obviously you've got people downloading it um, because obviously I've made it so it is downloadable. People clipping um, slides out of it as well. So it's just one of those nice things where you actually put a lot of effort into it and people go like, this is awesome and we're going to recognize you for it. That's really cool. Congratulations on that. What was, as you were going through this, maybe either from the original growth hacks or when, uh, Jeff, you were adding to it and, and starting to build these case studies with people who have done it before, you know, what, what is something that maybe stuck out that surprised you as a growth hack that might not be obvious? Huh. There's so much. Um, I recently gave a talk on like the 10 things that I learned from speaking to these amazing business and marketing people. Um, and not necessarily that it surprised me, but I was looking for the themes that came up over and over again, thinking that anyone could, you know, have a good experience with one thing. But if we figure out what these themes are, um, that's going to be the, the, the best learning and the themes around product market fit and finding out um, if your product was wanted by your customers, which customers, what messaging they needed to, to elicit a response was really interesting. Mm -hmm. And basically like if you can't take your concept and put it into a five to seven word value proposition and take that value proposition and put it in front of your target market and elicit a response, then you haven't 
achieve product market fit yet, you need to go back to the drawing board because if you try to growth hack and experiment and spend money, you might as well just light it on fire and get some warmth from it because until you have that product market fit. So, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned this in other interviews, but like um, uh, Ethan Song from, from Frank and Oak said, you know, um, uh, premium threads for under $50 and got that in on these fashionista groups on Facebook. And he had 12,000 people signed up before he launched and he let them in these small groups and it was totally killer. Rob yeah. Walling from Drip did the same thing with um, lightweight email automation that doesn't suck was his tagline. And when he got that in front of SMB marketers who are frustrated with sort of the complexity of constant contact, but disappointed by the lightweight guys who couldn't do what they needed, when you know, he put that message in front of them, they were like, heck yeah, what, where do I sign up? So it almost became like this, um, this de facto test for product market fit, which I thought was really neat. Which is interesting because like for me, I've applied that with my company. Like I had to get my elevator pitch down. And so over time by taking that same methodology of you need to basically just have your elevator pitch and it needs to be done in 10 seconds. Our elevator pitch became some agencies try and sell you services. We solve your problems. Mm. And so, so as soon as we started actually using that, we're not here to basically sell you a service. What we're here is to look at what is the problem and how do we solve that? That's when we started noticing that we started actually closing more deals. Really? That was, um, you, you noticed the difference in, more business just by changing that methodology and that little short pitch. Yeah, so we basically, and in fact, then instead of flowing through the website, so we actually have just recently deleted our services section on the website. We've just got rid of it completely because what we found is, but by now focusing more on, we'll sit down, we'll talk with you, we'll do a roadmap, we'll talk about what the actual problem is, and then we're coming out with the solution to the problem is, every time I've done this pitch, it's just been like, bright, brilliant, sign us up, you know, send us the invoice, let's get started. So it's interesting by making that little change, how you go from actually having to really fight to actually win the client to people going like, yep, absolutely. Well, I think it's interesting. It's something that I've experienced as well. When you're in a B2B service-based business, you have a tendency to really overthink what it is that you're actually doing, especially in the agency world. It seems complicated. At the end of the day, it's not that complicated. I think the other thing is that we, we had a little bit of fun when we were sort of researching other companies and we realized what they were talking about with their value proposition didn't actually make sense. They were just using it. It's almost like they've gone to the dictionary and selected the biggest words possible. And it's like going like, that doesn't actually make sense. I don't think that word means what you think it does. <laughs> Do you have a good example of that? Um, was it we solve problems by, um, was, it, uh, was it doing synergies and like, and it's, it involves synergies or something like that. And it basically was like, I don't think that actually means what they think it means. <laughs> the word synergy and 360 marketing irritate me. Everybody, yeah. everybody does that. Yeah, and uh, it was like synergy, synergy. <laughs> Wasn't that from Jim and the holograms? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who, if, if somebody was to come across this book when you guys launch soon, who are the people that should read this? Is it business people? Is it marketers? Is it software engineers? Like who, who should read this and why? I think I, I may have mentioned this last year. Like I've been, I was in a meeting with a very, very large company and with basically revenue sort of sitting, you know, close to a billion dollars. Um, but they've got multiple different divisions. So I wasn't obviously looking at the whole group. I was just looking at one particular division of the company. And during that conversation, you know, they've got a marketing team of around about 30 people. And I was sort of like, you know, asking some questions here along the lines of like, hey, what are you sort of doing online? They said, oh, we're doing nothing. We're putting all the money into billboards. And I'm like, you're an online business? And they're like, yep. And you're putting your entire marketing budget into billboards. Wow. And I'm like, yep. 
and we're like, okay. And that to me is like, you know, who this book should be for, for that marketing team that's sort of maybe sitting there and like a little bit afraid of digital. They could like use it as like a checklist of, we've got a website, we've got the budget. Why don't we go through this book and try a whole bunch of the stuff out? Because obviously I think it's going to work a lot better than the billboards. Um, Because I sort of said to them, like, how are you measuring like your, your return on investment here? And they're like, well, we aren't. And it's just like, so you're pumping like, you know, how much, you know, like, oh, around about 5 million. I'm like, and do you know how this is going for you? They're like, nope. Wow. That always amazes me. It really does. Um, especially in this day and age when there's so many tools and it's so simple to reach people digitally uh, and it's so expensive to reach people traditionally and so inefficient. Um, a lot of people that watch this show um, are on the marketing side of businesses or brands, etc. If you had like one really great hack that they could take advantage of or one really great thing that they need to be paying attention to right now, what would that be? It's so hard because a good growth hacker doesn't come in with like, these are my 10 tips and I'm going to do them. Um, maybe back in the day when a lot of the stuff wasn't table stakes, you know, like if you had a, a top 10 things to fix to improve your SEO and people weren't doing it, you go through the top 10 things and you, you see a lift. But we're past that point now where just the table stakes stuff does. And a lot of the times it depends on what your competitors are doing. So if your competitors are, if, if Facebook's totally saturated or, or if SEM is totally saturated and too expensive, it doesn't make sense to just drive up the bid price and get Google rich and you need to find another channel. That being said, um, I think measuring the right data is really fundamentally done poorly by a lot of companies. And um, the book talks about how to set up cultures of experimentation, what data to track, what metrics to be sort of obsessive about. But to me, like, you know, your, your CAC, your cost of, of acquiring a customer uh, for most businesses is the ultimate thing to be tracking. And basically to me, what growth hacking is, is to establish what your existing CAC is and then find channels that gives you the ability to drastically lower it. And then you find that channel and you milk it for all it's worth and you at the same time are looking for that next one. Because the book Traction talks about the law of shitty click-throughs and says that every channel eventually is going to have bad click-throughs because the competitors are gonna, gonna catch on. So not only do you have to maximize the channels you're in, you have to constantly be looking for new ones. And the only way to compare apples to oranges to grapes to pears is to have a common denominator of CAC or, or CPA, whatever you wanna call it. So you could then make, I like to make complex decisions simple. If I have a list of 10 activities and I sort them by CAC and I focus most of my resources on the ones that are the lowest, I'm sort of growth hacking because I'm not just trying one or two and whatever it is, it is. So th that's sort of my key, um, my key tip to everyone is, is to have that one key metric that you track obsessively and you use to compare all your channels to figure out where to, to, to devote your resources. The other thing that I'll add is that um, I think every growth hacker, growth marketer should learn Zapier. It's basically, yeah. um, and, and we talk about it in the book, but it's basically this brilliant company that takes all the, I don't know how many companies they have on there, 500 or a thousand different companies and basically leverages their own open, a, each of the company's open APIs to let you basically set up your own uh, recipes or formulas to do something neat. Um, an example I'll give you is when, when the book was with Kickstarter and I wanted to promote it to a lot of my colleagues, um, I was stuck with a problem that if I did it um, through like MailChimp or something, it would feel really impersonal. Um, but if I did it as a BCC, I'd have to do it in tiny groups or I wasn't going to be able to get it past spam filters. 
So I used Zapier to integrate Gmail and Google Sheets. And I basically said, here's my email, here's the Google Sheet, here's the list of email addresses, go. And it sent, you know, sent them out one at a time to ensure deliverability. But like, that's just like, it's not even the tip of the iceberg. It's like a ridiculously small thing it does. Basically, take 500 services and mix and match them in any ways using Zapier. And once you figure that out, it's sort of your growth hacker Swiss Army knife. Because even when companies don't have formal integrations between their APIs, you can hack them and you don't need to be a coder. You just need to be sort of willing to try things out and fail a whole bunch of times and get better. Zapier is an amazing company. I mean, I, we, I've played around with it as well. And there's some really weird and interesting and unique stuff you can do. And uh, you can go down the rabbit hole too, trying to connect oh, and plug yeah. all oh, this yeah. stuff together. <laughs> That's I'd say, I'd say Zapier and Canva have probably um, taken up many of my hours. Well, listen, Mark, Jeff, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. And I wish you the best of luck with this book. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to get a copy of it. And I'm sure everybody else um, can't wait either. Just give everybody a reminder again where they're going to be able to find it once it's available. Sure. Um, the website is growthhackerguide.com. It's also going to be on Kindle. So there's this little site called Amazon out there that you can type Growth Hacker Guide to the Galaxy. And hopefully by the end of the month, um, uh, it will be available. Um, my website, if you want to read my blog or learn more about me, is jeffgoldenberg.net. And um, Mark, where can they find you? Um, so they can come to my site, which is Rocket Ship, but that's R-O-C-K-E-T-S-H-P. We don't have an I in our, our rocket ship, um, dot com. Because there's, there's, no, there's no I in rocket ship. <laughs> there's no I in team, man. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. Thank, thank you for you having us. It's so great chatting with you. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Adiscope. I really appreciate your time and watching this. Please make sure to comment if you have any questions or thoughts on growth hacking. And always, as always, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. That would mean a lot for me. Thank you.